Hey everybody, I'm Jody Vance. And I'm George Affleck. And it's time for Spooky Scary Scary Unspun. <laughs> Do you like Halloween? Uh, I'm not a big dresser-upper, um, but I loved it when the kids were younger and trick-or-treating and all that stuff. Uh, no more trick-or-treating. I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss that. Uh, but I don't like costumes. I don't think you do either, do you? You're not no. costume. I think you yeah. No. no we, every year we have this conversation and I reiterate yeah. the, uh, yes. the fact that I worked in bars for long enough that I had to get dressed up each year for the weekend. And yeah. I, it always brought out the worst in people. I don't know. I never liked cold it. this weekend. So, uh, not the, we'll see how that works out. As somebody with a dog who is terrified of fireworks, I always pray for rain. I we know. Don't have fireworks hot take. In hot take. Oh, yeah. Vancouver. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Okay. Uh, hey, ask me what I did this week. Hey, what'd you do this week, Jody? George, I'm so glad you asked. Um, <laughs> I had the opportunity. Worst segue to, ever. <laughs> I know. Just let's get to it. <laughs> the BC Restaurant and Food Services Association, the BCRFA, yes. you know, Ian Tostenson, BCRFA, you would hear him on the air all the time talking about, um, you know, what restaurants need to to make it through COVID and and patios and all the, all the discussions around. He's been a around. huge champion for so huge many champion. things over the last several years, not even oh sometimes gosh, related yes. to restaurants. It's like just right. small business. And Uber and or the, uh, ride sharing in, in, in general. Yeah, but Ian Tossinson has had me, he's had me host the, the BC RFA um, Hall of Fame dinner. This would be my sixth year doing it. Oh. Granted, there was like a break for COVID. We haven't been there for three years or this four years. Um, and uh, it's always such an awesome event. It happens at the Italian Cultural Center. Imagine 350 to 400 typically, but this year was 430 people in a room, all of them, the movers, the shakers, the, the chefs, their teams, the suppliers, their teams the the hospitality and service industry you know leaders like it's just it's mm -hmm. quite the room it's you look around the room you're like oh 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 i guess for me it's a little escalated be elevated in terms of recognition factor because my significant other is a chef but it's such a fun event because george it's kind of like hosting an event with a room full of politicians because they all don't typically get together and and fraternize i guess um mm -hmm. they're usually working it and and so we, we did 24 inductees, but anyway, I digress. I had the opportunity to meet the Lieutenant governor, Janet Austin. She was sitting at my table and I got to meet her beforehand. Her security came through. It was quite the deal. Oh my goodness. Is this woman ever awesome? Holy. <laughs> she is quite great. I've met her a few times. Uh, and, and she's such a nice person. She was giving me compliments and I, I uh, 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 like, I, I <laughs> I didn't know what to say. I'm often uh, verbose, not tongue-tied, and I was tongue-tied. She's normal. Yeah. She's like a normal Weird. person. Wow. She was uh, YWCA, I think, before that, right? Yeah. Um, and did amazing work there, built out their whole building down. down. I think that I've met her a few times, and I think what's interesting is, first of all, she seems, I don't think she is apolitical, but I think she is now. 
And I think your term is up, but there doesn't seem to be any movement to uh, move her along. I, I haven't heard of them. Usually it's five years. They kind of talk about right. that, but there is actual. So they just keep renewing it. Uh, so she seems to be keeping the NDP happy because she was put in play in there by the liberals. So now defunct BC liberals. Um, Can we talk about them for a little bit too? We could talk about leadership on a number of levels. Where do you want to start? Yeah, and the restaurants. We can talk about that. Oh, yeah. and, oh and let's do that first. Because that is a man. But you were at an event where the pain must have been. Pretty... They talked about it. They I mean, talked talk about, about it. an industry they... that's just continues yeah. to being hit. And as a small business owner, things have not recovered. I, unless I'm in a vacuum or living in a fantasy world, you know, it's tough out there for small businesses. And um, and as a person who markets small business, I can tell you it's what it's like. And restaurants, for that matter, I have restaurant clients. Um, you know, it's, it's tough out there and restaurants especially have always had it tough. The margins are so tight. I so worked tight. at Pizza Hut and Mr. Mike's when I was younger and, and got, you know, the, was the assistant manager at both of them. And certainly Pizza Hut where you, you know, you, you count every single, every single piece of every single pepperoni. It's very machine, you know, very, very, uh, optimized as far as a chain, the way chains work. So yeah. I would taught all that stuff. And so, you know, the math on every single little thing. And so, you yeah. know, the margins too. Um, and that's Brian's job. Pizza Hut. Yeah. Margins that's my are good Brian's in some job. restaurants, but not most. Yeah. He's the guy work. that, that Does creates the, the food that, that fits into those margins, right? Like anybody can make a delicious piece of cornbread, but you want that cornbread to cost you a dollar that you sell for $5. You don't want it to cost you, you 450 and then or whatever. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you, it needs to hold well. And the, you know, what is it? Does it freeze? Yeah, can you, can you make it quickly? Does mm -hmm. it, does it use all the ingredients that you already have? Are you bringing in ingredients that you need to use just for that? And what does that cost? And then there's labor. Cause people are like, how does this salad cost so much? And, and Brian explains it in detail. But again, like you said, I mean, the margin of profit in restaurants is razor thin and with mm -hmm. the affordability crunch, with the, the, the cost of doing business, the, the property costs, the, the um, highest and best use things that have seen longtime restaurants shut down. I mean, Bishop's is gone because the mm -hmm. lease was like, so we're going to raise it. And he's like, no, you're not. <laughs> it's not worth it anymore. Um, it's really sad to see. And the big box restaurants take over because the mom and pop shop, the small business can't do it. Um, yeah, it's a. Uh, and not to mention the price of gas. The price of gas affects the price of shipping goods. Now you got climate change. You know, our, there's a sugar shortage right now. Did you know that? I have there's heard that. Like, I mean, those I are the cook. things that, yeah, right. <laughs> so, or shop. I do the cleaning. Oh. Amanda is the magical person who does all the uh, making of food and purchasing of food. And she actually came home with a giant, giant bag of sugar. And I'm like, what the hell is it was shit, it was $14. I'm like, okay. She said, the small bag is $14. I'm like, wow, okay. So like we have a restaurant now in our house because we've got this sugar that's like giant. A big uh you yeah. see in my home. For a, a big bag of sugar takes up, you know, 25% of my home space. So my living space. So <laughs> Amanda like, makes delicious food. I've seen I follow along on her food. I've never had the pleasure of uh coming for dinner yet. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, <laughs> hint, hint. Um, so yeah, you know. We got to support our local businesses, local local restaurants in particular. Uh, you know, as we did through the pandemic, and I know we talked a lot about that. Um, I I go down to you know the small mom and pop place at the end of the street, and I'll go out of my way to buy a gift card and gift it to somebody, and mm -hmm. then pump the tires of that place. And you know, we've got it yeah. in order to to keep moving forward because I think similar to what you were saying about your business, 
during COVID when we were all like, oh God, the world is shutting down. We're going to all be. And then it was like, oh, actually, no, things are humming along because the stimulation was still there with CERB and loans and da da da. And now the CERB right. and the loans and everything. Yeah, it's like, yeah, not you, not you, not you. And uh, the cutbacks yes, they made are real. lots of cash available. Most small businesses, especially restaurants, yeah. took advantage of that because most businesses, I mean, like to you know, bootstrap it, not, not borrow money if you can avoid it. Um, but that was a crazy time. And most businesses in Canada took that CERB money, especially uh, along with the BDC money, which was made available $100,000 in, in, in loans. And so, yeah. uh, and now the, the BDC stuff is immediately, is always immediately payable, backable. But uh, the CERB stuff was due then to December, and now they've extended it to 2024. Everybody's excited about that. And Ian Tossinson, you mentioned him, was a yeah. big fighter for this. Uh, and everybody was excited at first. Then they read the small print, and it was like a three-month extension into 2024. Right. And, and then you have to make a decision. Uh, a little tip, though, for those people who are in this, because I'm dealing with this myself with myself and my clients and, you know, so my accountant who we talk a lot about this stuff. That So the max you probably bore would have been 60000 if you if you pay it back you could, before March thirty first you could pay back forty thousand you know whatever that percentage is depending on how much you got but sixty being the max forty paybacks twenty thousand dollars free cash but a lot of companies may not be able to do it so there's two two things that are kind of positive about this one is that um, when you took that money you had to take it as revenue that twenty thousand dollars so you now get if you don't if you, you know, if you just accept I'm not going to get the twenty thousand deduction I'm going to pay back the sixty then you yeah. get a tax deduction as a negative revenue stream, but also the interest rate is only 5% uh, as fixed. And um, unlike the bank money, so if you were to borrow money to pay back 40, and so you get the 60, um, you know, at 8% or 9% or 12% or whatever, you got to do the math on that. And yeah. 5% right now, it's pretty nice interest rate. And so you got to do the math on that over three years. Is it worth, and I think the government's is kind of hoping for this, so that they're kind of, this is their backup plan is that they're subsidizing the payback process, the fixed 5%. And so as a business owner, just do the math on that. And and I, I don't see them extending it, but you know, it might they might again, but it'll be close to the deadline if they do it. And I know Ian Tossinson's fighting for this hard, along with um, the Canadian Taxpayers Federation and other organizations like that that are saying, look, you know, restaurants, especially most small businesses who took this really don't have the cash at all. Or to pay the monthly amount. If you over three years, sixty thousand bucks, that's that's a lot of money every month that's to pay a lot salary. Of money. One person's salary lot. every month for yeah. three years. Yeah. So it's gonna hurt in March for sure. Yeah. Do your due diligence on what the plan is. Um, I yeah. want to talk a little bit about uh Airbnb because uh that was a big story last week with the provincial government sort of shoehorning in and saying, Hey, municipalities aren't managing this enough or whatever. So, you know, it's not moving the meter. Status quo is not working is basically how I interpreted yeah. the announcement on this. Um, but it has ruffled the conservative um, side of the political spectrum in saying, hey, get your hands off my property, mm -hmm. literally. Like, because you have to actually host in your primary residence in order to have an Airbnb now. And it's got to be, you know, you can't, I know people that were renting places moved out of their rental and then airbnb their last two rental places unbeknownst to their landlords like they were running hotels yeah and they were mm -hmm. but some argue and certainly um uh, john rustad the uh bc conservative leader is coming out 
hardline right now saying, you know, the the provincial government should have no say in the matter. It should be all on municipalities, which, of course, we know municipalities can put all kinds of rules on stuff, but don't have the people to enforce it. Um, and, you know, it's like, what what it, will work here? It, what will well, work to help it, solve the problem? We don't have enough hotel rooms. That's for sure. So another thing right? that Ian Sossens is always ar yep. arguing for saying people come here and eat and they stay at restaurants or they stay at hotels. We don't yeah. have any hotels. They don't eat at restaurants. Yeah, it's a problem. I, it's it's more of a political problem. And John Rustad from the BC Conservatives, I will put it out there that he, he he's fighting a losing battle politically on this because believe me, I fought this battle. His argument is about land control. I also argued that uh, when I was there. Also, this uh, insipid, you know, neighbor looking at your neighbors and and spying on each other. And, oh, I don't, uh, I don't know. Um, but most importantly, what I always argued, and Vancouver is the perfect example of how po this policy does not work. We've had the strictest Airbnb laws in Vancouver, in the country, if not North America, for now since 2017. Um, and guess what happened? And the, and the sell job on this was we need more affordable homes. Too many homes are being used for Airbnb. And that's why, that's why we're an unaffordable. I mean, it's such BS. It doesn't, the two are not connected. There's a, maybe a teeny, teeny, teeny connection. The challenge, of course, as we know, is not about Airbnb. It's about how fast we build things, how things we get approved, the cost of construction, staff, blah, 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 blah. There's, and you know, we're not building enough homes. We've had, we've had this discussion so many times. But from a PR point of view, for a politician, you can't, you can't, I've tried, believe me, I tried the last couple of weeks on Twitter to explain this. And I just, you just don't get any pickup on understanding the concept that, that, that this ability to spin this Airbnb as a solution to affordability is such a, it's such an impossible argument to win, to say it's not the solution. And control of Airbnbs has nothing to do with it. It's all just about control. Not to mention when you start creating government restraint and control of things, let's look at taxi licenses. How'd that work out for government when they started putting licensing? Guess what? The taxi licenses went to a million dollars at its peak. You know, these kinds of things, when your government gets involved in any kind of private sector operations, it just means things are going to get more expensive and more black market and more uh, you know, messy and bureaucratic. It doesn't fix the problem. The sell job on this was affordability. It's not solving that problem. What is going to solve that problem? More places to live and more hotels. Simple. Okay. So I have a little bit of a different POV than you do. Um, not surprisingly for our listener or viewer. Um, but I, I, I acknowledge what all of the things you're saying, because I just don't look at the, this move with Airbnb being one that's going to solve anything. I, I look at it as, and I think I said it when I was bringing in the topic, is that the status quo is not working, something's gotta change. And there's no question that some of the affordable rental market is being eaten up by Airbnb or short-term rentals, VRBO, whatever. I We use Airbnb as sort of a catch-all, but short-term mm -hmm. rentals, flipping it. And you know what, frankly, more and more I hear about people who list on Airbnb and then people reach out and they're like, hey, let's not go through Airbnb, side deal, cash deal, it'll be this, no fees, da-da-da. So there's a black market to the non-governmental thing as well. There are people that are 
abusing the system. Now, on the other end of that, I think there are people that are absolutely using it for all the right reasons. There's the people who have, uh, you know, converted their garage in a place that's not appropriate for long-term rentals, but could be for short-term rental, use a portion of their house that they can sort of ebb and flow, use it sometimes, and then, you know, wouldn't otherwise rent it out long-term. But there, you know, this move is sort of uh, a heavy handed. So I'm not saying that I 100% agree with that this is going to work, um, but maybe it'll hit some of the uh, loophole jumpers and the people that are like the person that I I referenced that I, I, I don't reference by name, but but she literally has probably seven places, none of which she owns, that she runs like a hotel that I mean, otherwise they, would be places for UBC of- students to live or yeah. hospital employees to live or what have you. And and I don't know the answer to that. Certainly building, we've talked about it so often. Building is definitely the answer. We need to build places, but you say it. It takes two years, five years, 10 years. We don't have that long. We're growing by leaps and bounds. People are coming in. People are fleeing their part of the world for whatever reason, whether it be climate or war or whatever. Um, and we're welcoming them to this country and we have no place for people to live. And that's a problem. So got to start somewhere. That's my middle. Got to start. I'd somewhere. say we also are a massive tourist destination, and we have no. Yeah, for sure. To stay. So yeah, you know. But there I, are I some. Think... There are some. One second, because there are some mm-hmm. caveats to the provincial thing, right? It's not. You can never do it. You can do it t- during some surge times, like when FIFA's happening, or you know. Um, so what? Going back to that zone idea, because we don't have the hotels. Let's identify places where like Whistler and Squamish and Gulf Islands and da 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 add to that zones where you're like, you know what, if you want to invest in an Airbnb, buy into this building and have at her. You know what I mean? Like, don't they do that in other jurisdictions? Less government is better government. And well, I mean, okay. So blanket statement. It's, It's I've given you the math on it. We've proven that it doesn't work. It's just a good, but we haven't proven that this won't work. That's not true. This is not proven to have not if worked Vancouver to try and limit number... short-term rentals. It is not proven, proven to work. Vancouver. We have There's no num- more where, where, to short-term rentals here, George. What are you talking friends? about? I just where, told you about my friend who has seven where, properties. Where are they located? Where are they located? In are... in Metro Vancouver, Kelowna, and South Van. Right. Or uh, Sorry, uh, south of the Fraser. Yeah. So, sure. Vancouver, so downtown Vancouver, Kelowna. Hmm? Tourist destinations. White Rock's a tourist destination? Sure. Sure. So what isn't a tourist destination? I don't want to offend any neighborhoods. Oh, <laughs> there are lots. There are lots. <laughs> there are lots. Okay, uh, let's move you know, on. I, We're going to agree to disagree just, on this one. Like, but we, the let's one, talk about TransLink because that is point, also though, an absolute math, shit show. Just the math on the, the, again, we've talked about this a lot though. Let's agree that government needs to focus on building more of the 99% of the homes or whatever the number is that people live in and, and want to bo- own or rent. Let's get more of those built, right? That's We both agree on that. Like get yeah, more things built. But that's, you've, you go that's you've said that. that by the time you get the, you buy the property and you start right. the permitting process, you're you five know. years away from building something. And then after you get all the permitting in five years, you're two way, two years away from once the crane goes up. So, okay. You know, something else has got to give because our kids don't have places to stay. Or they could just live with us forever. That's okay too. Yeah. That's right. Translink. 
uh, going broke, apparently. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Yeah, they're having financial. I, I think the COVID, there's another example where they just haven't come back to the numbers that they had to pre-COVID or the projections that they were hoping to get. They're close. Closer Kevin than Quinn most said people, they were back. Yeah, Kevin Quinn, this, what I heard on yeah, his 95%. clip, he said, you know, no, we're pretty much back. We just, we don't, we're not taking uh, enough money in to continue to to support what we have and grow it we're gonna have to cut back can you imagine with all of the we're taking away parking we're taking away lanes everybody should take transit everybody needs to get on a bus or a train everybody needs to take transit oh but we can't afford it so we're gonna we're gonna remove a bunch of routes yeah that's that's where government should be in, in involved when uh this is an example of you know when i worked at cbc uh, the intent of CBC was to ensure that there was broadcasting to every corner of the country, right? The intention, the intention of a railway across the country. Yeah. We need to get get the country together. Uh, yeah. It's no different with this. Uh, you know, transit is not something that private sector is going to build on its own. It needs government involved. It's just not one of those things. Certainly, I believe in private-public partnerships. Canada Line is a perfect example of that. Came under under budget, and it's more successful than any other ones. And it and they get the company who built it gets to reap the rewards in partnership with TransLink. The thing is that I find interesting, and I don't like this this tone, to be honest, from TransLink because it's kind of it's obviously a political move to try and get more money from the government. Um, yeah. But TransLink works has a very very good good cash flow, very good cash flow. They very predictable, you know, barring COVID. Right. Generally, we know they're making a lot of cash is coming in every month. It's very predictable. And as a, so as an operation, as a corporation, that's very that's very good to get money, to borrow money, to figure out how you can build and how you can operate. And it gives you a lot of flexibility. And, and I don't think anybody's asking for TransLink to be profitable. Um, so it's, it's interesting when you take a business model and try to put it into a, an organization that's not a business. It is right. a business. It should be trying right. to be break even. Yeah. But you have to also think about its overall good for what it's doing. And I think the any government, uh, the NDP have been not so great at infrastructure. They haven't announced anything really since they got elected. Oh, I guess the bridge in New Westminster, maybe that's one. Uh, there's no big, big infrastructure. We're, what's happening to UBC line? I mean, we're almost, the, the, the boring machines almost reach its end there. So I guess that's not happening. Why are we not hearing announcements? Is you know for big infrastructure? What's what about the tunnel in Richmond? What more studies? More studies? You drew. I saw it, one thing. I saw a press release on that actually. Something's moving forward there, but I just don't. I don't pay attention to it anymore because I don't believe it. And I think that's something that governments really enjoy. It's you throw mm -hmm. enough spaghetti at the wall, and you can insert whatever you want for spaghetti there. You throw enough at the wall, and people start going, yeah, whatever whatever, because the spin is real. Like, as you just said, the average Joe public is going to say, how can TransLink be crying poor when they're building so much? Look at the boring machine over here. You know, nobody's, nobody's capital, looking capital at that. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. Capital versus but operating. To, so they're operating to the awesome. average capital Joe person to the average Joe public person. They're like, okay, yeah, you know, whatever. That's just an excuse to raise the rates again. You're just going to raise yeah. the rates. It's all going to be more expensive for everybody, period. But That's I think some angel. of the concern is that the, the taxes taken from, from uh, the fuel tax, um, you know, is being eaten into by the number of electric vehicles or hybrid vehicles that are starting to hit. And that is only going to increase. So then we're going to be looking at tax on our electricity <laughs> in a different way, right? Like 
we're we're, we're naive very, very to think here. right now i'm very much enjoying the hybrids in my driveway um because we drive right by the gas station um but eventually they're coming for me all of us if it's electricity because we all yeah. use it and we're a very lucky region when it comes to electrical costs but um hydro and our water you know power systems have provided us a lot very very reasonable you go to anywhere else the uk or wherever where people close doors in rooms and turn lights out whenever they leave. what i know right you they turn you lights out when that, they're not right? in the room <laughs> right it turns it heat off they have every room has a heater and they turn it off and close the door and yeah. it's very uh it's something that we don't we don't have to uh do we did grow up and and yeah, my single family or single parent environment early days oh boy it still makes me crazy when brian will be going in and out the door on a day like today when it's really chilly outside i'm like close the door close the door close the door close the heat the neighborhood heat in the neighborhood you come back my mom was all about but it you're your point of the electric car thing is an interesting one because there is a big subsidy right now for buying electric cars. Six, yep. I think six to eight thousand dollars per electric car. Um, you know that's great. Fully electric, just to be clear. Fully electric, yeah. Not so a I'm not sure, yeah, There's nowhere to plug them in. You know, so no. whatever. But I, actually, uh, you know what? I had a friend of mine say this to me just this past week. She had a Tesla, and she took it back. She took it back. She had too much anxiety around charging the vehicle and not being able to go the distance she wanted to because she wasn't sure that she could charge up. So she got a hybrid and and yeah. now she enjoys it. It's like, okay, gas when I need it and electricity when, you know, I can. If it's your on only car, routine. I would say, yeah, it, don't get an electric at this point, it, especially if you are not really close or you don't have a charger in your building or home right. or you don't have close access to the big superchargers. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's, we run a I just, I just think sidewalk. that we, I, you know, the challenge with the TransLink and, and, and the power costs and infrastructure costs is, you know, you gotta be, you gotta make brave decisions and I don't it's see true. a lot of that happening these days. Big, big decisions are not being made. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, you can blame COVID for a little bit longer, but eventually we're, we're going to need, you know, pavement politics. We need some big things announced and we need those kinds of things done, especially, as we head into a recession or are in a recession, if you ask restaurants, we need stuff. We need this is where government should get involved. But they've all, you know, federal government certainly maxed out. It's 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 you know, we're seeing that right now. A lot of angst federally um, because of the debt, which causes yeah. inflation. Provincially, though, we're not as bad off. And so we have more flexibility for the province to be making big announcements. But quite often, the province needs the federal government as a partner. And if you can't get the federal government department, you got to do private public partnerships, which the NDP are opposed to. So that's not happening. No. Okay, we got to uh, wrap up pretty quickly. But I want to just touch on some of the things that are happening in the United mm -hmm. States because they are so big. Um, well, I mean, obviously, we could talk about the Middle East. We could talk about the mass shooting rampage in Maine. We're not going to go there. Let's talk about the the spin around um, the appointment of Mike Johnson as the Speaker of the House after all the drama. You, every, pundit, every, super... every pundit has said you can't get farther right than this guy. He is like the 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 guy who built yeah. the argument that the election was stolen. It he, is unbelievably yeah. dangerous. Jim Jordan's second hand man. He was second yeah. second second in command. Second in command of, the, yeah. uh, of stop the uh, stop, stop the counter, the whatever the hell was stop it was the called. Steal. Stop this deal. Yeah, it's so bizarre what happened behind the scenes there with those guys. Um, but they, whatever they did, whatever he sold them, um, uh, his fact that he's so unknown, uh, there were some jokes by other uh, 
people say, oh, I had to Google this person. They're his colleagues. They didn't know who he was. And yet they voted for him unanimously. Not one yeah. vote against. And uh, he is an anti, major anti-abortion, super religious, pro-gun, given what's been going on this week in Maine. Yeah. Um, you know, this wants, is a guy Wants that, gay sex you know, to be criminalized. Yeah. Not just anti-LGBTQ2+, anti, yeah. but wants yeah. gay sex to be criminalized. It's unbelievable yeah. that that is a reality. Second the in lawmakers. line to These the are lawmakers. These second, are lawmakers in America. Se second in Congress. line to the Oval. Second in line to the presidency of the United States is no, this guy. Second, actually, because the, the, the president is not in line. He's the president. Oh, second is Kamala, or first is Kamala Harris, and yes. second is the Speaker of the House. So yeah. that's just terrifying. Listening to Rachel Maddow talk about it is like, what? Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Because I've been flipping channels. I'm like, okay, here's what CBC says. Here's what CNN says. Here's what MSNBC says. And then I went over to the guy that replaced uh, Tucker Carlson. Do you ever watch that? Crazy. Do you watch that guy? I, Jesse I mean, Waters? Sure. Yes. Oh, my God. Okay, so the speaker is happy. The vote is happening with speaker. Mike Johnson gets put in. There's like a shooter on the loose. Uh, there's a war in in, uh, in Gaza, uh, and and you want to know what Jesse Waters was talking about? What? Survivor. He was talking about how people on Survivor this season are asking to go home, which is true, which is really weird. Uh, more than half of the people that have gone so far on Survivor, because Brian and I watch it, um, have said, please vote me out. I want to go home. I miss my bed. So they they interviewed a former Survivor member. He, Jesse Waters, interviewed him. Uh -huh. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, is this a, am I being punked? Like, this is a news outlet. If I I'm was just, Ukraine right now, I'd be worried though. Right. You know, I, good point. I, 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 the funding for them might be in yeah. danger. This is a Trump guy. Trump totally would have been there with Putin. Uh, it would not have pushed back. I don't think on Ukraine the way we've seen. Uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting year. One year from now, pretty much exactly, we'll have a an old Strap president in, or a new president or a new old president. Uh, but we'll be, who knows what will happen with Congress and the Senate? But yeah, the good news year. about the House being as crazy as it is right now is that anything that they come up with has to go to the Senate, which is Democrat uh, slim majority, and then it goes to the president from there. So there's no like fast and loose at this point. The issue is a year from now. If either of them, or if Trump is the nominee, who knows, given his um, legal woes right now, but the speaker is the one who drops the gavel and certifies the election, right? So, whoo, America, what are we doing? And do you think Donald Trump should have been given a $10,000 fine for defying the gag order? Oh, of course. I mean, this it's week? going to be 100000 next time. It's going to be 100000 right. next time. She, she, you know, the judge definitely alluded to that and then then it'll be jail time after that so he, so but he doesn't give he, he, every time he gets something he just gets more popular and um you know, this down. is the this is the dilemma we have they have in america um this is the position they've, they've been put in now they now he's got his buddy in uh, the congress so he's got that under control um and we'll see how they manage to negotiate because you know the the fact that the congress and senate and the president the three leaderships people of those three organizations really do all the decision making that nothing happens really 
on the floor of the Congress or San Manchin. It's all just everything happens in the 11th hour, these budgets. It's like it's a crazy system down it's there. It's a crazy The British parliamentary system is so much better. It's so much better. So much. Even though we fight with our speaker. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, when you want to find George and all of his amazing tweets, <laughs> and the more controversial he gets, the more powerful he gets, George underscore <laughs> app. Like George underscore Affleck <laughs> on Twitter. You staying on Twitter? You like it? You're going to continue? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Excellent. Oh, okay. Yes. I, I even pay the extra so I can do really long X's, whatever the hell they're called. How much does that cost? Not that I'm ever going to pay for 100 Twitter. 100 bucks a year? I'm, yeah. That's good. I like it. I got all the streaming services instead. I'll let people bring me content for money instead of providing <laughs> to them for money. <laughs> pay to give content. Um, I love your TikTok, though. I, I always mention yeah. the TikTok because Curve so Communications TikTok is so great, though. But your persona is so funny. Um, you can find me on Instagram and on Twitter at Jody Vance, Jody with a Y, at Jody Vance, unspunpodcast.com. Tell your friends to tune in to listen to George and I argue. <laughs> <laughs> See you later, George. See you next week. Bye.